What in the name of whole wheat toast is going on? Welcome to another episode of the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo, the podcast where we delve into the mystery of Scooby-Doo media, getting clues from people who helped bring our favorite mystery-solving dog to life on various platforms, and maybe eating some Scooby snacks along the way. I'm your host, Alexa Lawler. We're just solving mysteries. All the kids are doing it. No, they're not. What have you kids done now? You can call me Mr. D. Welcome to the third episode in this month's Mystery Incorporated theme. Today we have lead character designer Derek J. Wyatt. Derek has done character design for not only Mystery Incorporated, but also for Transformers, Teen Titans, and Ben 10. I don't want to give away too much of what we'll be going into in the interview, so let's just get right into it. Derek, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today. Oh, thanks for having me. If you're up for it, I would like to start with a quick three-question trivia game. Uh, what if I refuse? <laughs> well, I guess that's fine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so question one, the Hex Girls, who appeared in two episodes of Mystery Incorporated, have had how many appearances in the Scooby-Doo franchise? Oh my gosh, I have no idea. I'll give you options. Uh, A, three, B, six, or C, nine? Oh, I guess I'm going to say three because I only know that they did the one uh, movie for sure and then the two mystery eggs. I don't know any of the other, other ones if they were other in other episodes. It's actually six. Ah! <laughs> They were in two movies, and then What's New Scooby-Doo, Mystery Incorporated twice, and they were just in an episode of Guess Who recently. Well, good for them. Yeah. Um, and question two, which supporting character in Mystery Incorporated was consistently frustrated at having his name mispronounced? Um, would that be George Avocados? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and question three, uh, what is the slogan for the town of Crystal Cove? Uh, the most tauntedest place on earth? Correct. Yes. Two out of three, not too bad. Not too bad at all. And to kick off the general questions, uh, what's your relationship to Scooby-Doo? Did you grow up watching? Yeah, I grew up watching Scooby-Doo. I kind of grew up in the, in the dark ages of Scooby, you know, the scrappy era. So it was like 13 ghosts and that kind of stuff. But also... Uh, when I would come home from school, they would have, in syndication, they would have the first Scooby series and the the Scooby movies, um, which I really loved. I would always hope the Batman episode would be on, or uh, Adam's Family. And um, I liked, like, Laugh Olympics, and even Pup Named Scooby-Doo, I liked that, too. And do you have a favorite personal memory related to Scooby-Doo at all? I just remember, you know, coming home from school and... and and hoping that Batman episode would be on. That was, that's kind of my favorite favorite memory of Scooby. And how did you come to work in animation? Well, uh, I started in like 
I think at like 1999, um, interning at Spumco for free. And then eventually I got my, my foot in the door at Warner Brothers and then uh, kind of went from there. That was started my real actual career in animation. And was that something that you had always wanted to do? Uh, yeah, I kind of, um, I originally kind of wanted to be a, either an animation or a comic book artist, but I kind of like, when I was in school, the bottom fell out of the comic industry. And I really liked, um, like the new Batman adventures. A lot of, a lot of cool cartoons were coming out and, uh, uh, really, it kind of influenced me to go that direction. Do you remember a specific moment when you realized that character design was something that you wanted to do at all? Yeah, it was. Um, there was a, a Wizard magazine that had all those uh, the redesigned Batman characters in the New Adventures of Batman, and uh, they. I just remember thinking, like, I didn't realize that you could take these characters and make them so much cooler than they were before, and I just. Re- instantly knew that's what I wanted to do. And how did you come to work on Mystery Incorporated specifically? Um, let's see, they they asked me to do some some early character designs like uh like I think Sheriff Stone and the Slime Mutant. And they initially wanted them to be in classic Ewow style. And uh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I that was my <laughs> that was my attempt my attempt at drawing and Iwa Takamoto style is what kind of became Mystery Incorporated style. Uh, but I had always kind of wanted to work on a Scooby uh, DVD or something. You know, I thought it would be fun. And for people who maybe don't know, can you describe what the role of a character designer does? Uh, sure. We um, we sort of set the templates for all the characters you see in the, in the cartoon, um, establish their looks and proportions. So... Um, they're consistently animated and they look like the characters you know and love. And can you just describe what maybe a typical day of work on Mystery Inc. was like? Hmm. Well, I don't know if there was a typical day of Mystery Inc. Uh, <laughs> we, we would always we'd start with like a, a story breakdown meeting where we kind of go through the script and, and uh, we'd assign out characters, which character designer got what character. And then we kind of go back to our desks and, and come up with some rough ideas of what what we thought, and then if those roughs were approved, then we'd take them to a a more more tight stage that the board artists could use. And eventually, we clean them up and then send them off to the ink and paint department. So, are your designs always based on uh, what's going on in the script? Have you ever had to work um, with like just a name or something? Um, yeah, I'm sure I have. It's it's not always described in a script, um, and a lot of a lot of times uh, Tony Cervoni would have a photo reference from 1969 that he would want us to use, or maybe he'd have a uh, like in the case of Professor Pericles, he had a pretty detailed sketch of how he wanted Pericles to look, and I just translated that into the style of the show, kind of. Okay. And what's your specific design process? That's uh tedious and horrible process uh with a lot of erasing (laughs) and uh a lot of false starts uh i start out um and on scooby i would i would take a a big big size comp and i would take a little tiny post-it and i would draw the character's silhouette in so it fit kind of in with the rest of the the cast of the show and then i would take that little tiny post-it and blow it up 
and refine that character. And that's where it kind of came from. Oh, a, a huge part of the Scooby design process was our our uh, reference library. We had um, we had actually gotten catalogs, uh, clothing catalogs from 1969, and would reference those things for for the um, for the show because nothing. The whole thing was like the the design didn't it like design didn't evolve past 1969 in this world. It stopped there. <laughs> so that was it was really fun to uh, to adapt that that stuff. And are things still done by hand, or is that uh, moved more towards working on a computer? Um, it's it's still done by hand. Even um, even when you're drawing on a computer, you're still drawing with your hand. You know the um, the color process is a little bit more click and fill, but they even even they have to draw out the shadows and stuff. So um, I still work on on paper for my roughs, and then I kind of move those into the computer. You know, and go from there. Were there any challenges in designing for Scooby? Well, like the initial challenge was I couldn't do it, <laughs> so that was. Uh, um, but the the other challenge, I guess the the biggest challenge was the the epic scope of the the show. Even though I'm used to working on kind of big action shows, the the scope of Scooby would be crazy. We would have like a an entire prom one episode, and then the very next episode we were going to the the Knights Fair, you know, and the pirates were crashing. So it was like it's almost like designing two completely different shows with different settings and different characters or even the same characters in different costumes. So just the, the scope of the show was, was really hard. It was really, really challenging. And what was it like to tackle these iconic characters? Um, I love that. That's one of my favorite things to do is kind of do take on these kind of big iconic characters like that. So, uh, it was just, uh, it was just a lot of fun. And, uh, I tried to I tried to put as much of my love and respect for the characters into the designs as I could, you know. And you mentioned that you had that reference library and you were kind of working off the original, but did you have any other inspirations for the designs for the characters? Well, sometimes sometimes it was the actors, you know, they they'd want to capture not a character of the actor actor really, but like a a hint of the actor so you could enough that you would it would feel right with that the, his voice coming out of or his or her voice coming out of the character's mouth. I can't think of anything else offhand like that right now. Um, yeah. And do you have any specific examples of uh, a character that was maybe designed off the actor? Yeah, <laughs> but I can't remember the actor's name. Who's the Who's the guy from? Um, it's from Community. He plays the the dean in Community, right? And then he was was he the publicist of the the crybaby clown. Oh yeah. Um, I'm trying to. I'm I'm butchering this, but it's that is the just the first one that pops into mind. Is kind of like, like it doesn't really look like that actor, but it's just enough that like it seems right with that voice coming out of his mouth, at least to me, you know. And what was it like to work on designs for a darker version of Scooby Doo? Um, it was fun. I was like, because the you know the villains were never not dark design wise you know they're they've um especially the the original guys they're pretty scary for for kids so um and even even you know i think of that i think of the werewolf screaming help help well he's 
paddling down the, the river <laughs> and it's like that's creepy i don't know um but it was just fun to to amp it up a little bit and bring bring a little more i don't know what you want to call it a little more horror into it and did you have a favorite villain that you had worked on um huh I, it's always hard for me to to pick favorites i i tend to um i have to kind of tell you what what I'm in the mood for, I guess. Um, I I really liked Chargar Gothicon, where you kind of, you know, put Cthulhu in a Cenobite dress. And uh, I just liked how he came out. I really love that episode, too. Um, and I like the gnome, too, because I tried to... I tried to make the gnome look like like a Rankin-Bass design, kind of. He's uh, really wrinkly and is a big big bulbous nose and stuff um definitely yeah those are the ones that stick out right now okay um and what was it like to develop um some of the more villains from myth like i believe the manticore and like the hodag yeah um uh i mean that that's just like it was cool because you get to look up a different kind of reference for that you know like see what what um with the, like the manticore and stuff you could you know see what what the ancient interpretations of it were and what everybody else has thought of it since kind of um i think again i tried to make that a little rank and dassy that's like has kind of a smog's wings and stuff and the hodag i think brianne i think brianne Drewhard designed the hodag that was um based on a real yeah a real myth right a real local legend or something yeah and the the guy is real too, right? Uh, what's his name? Uh, I designed him, I think. Uh, Gene oh, Shepard, I think. Yes, Gene Shepard. <laughs> yeah. What <laughs> is that? I wonder what the the Gene Shepard estate thinks of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite. That's the cheese episode too, right? That's one of my favorites because of the. I love the design for the cheese shop owner and his little his little assistant that turns out to be the the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that one is a fun one. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of really cool supporting characters in the show as well. Do you have uh, any favorites that you had worked on or just ones that you really liked? Um, well, obviously, like, Vincent Van Gogh is probably my top, top favorite. You know, just um, getting to bring him into the show was really cool. And we got we got um, official um, sanction from his estate to... Uh, to use his likeness and voice and everything, which was awesome. They were really excited about it. And we actually, they wanted a, a hand painted animation cell. So we, we did a little animation cell for them special. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, oh, and also like, you know, I love uh, Fred's dad, the mayor and, and Sheriff Stone. I like uh, Janet Nettles too. I think uh, her design came out really cool. The color, the color they used on her, her, uh, outfit came out really awesome and what was it like to grow up watching 13 ghosts and then you know be able to recreate vincent van gogh for mystery incorporated that was cool because i kind of got to take uh the the cool part of 13 ghosts and leave the rest of it alone <laughs> <laughs> it's which is not it's not horrible but it's just not my it's not my scooby you know 
And there's one of the episodes that starts off with uh, Daphne and Fred in the museum with like the statues of Scrappy <laughs> yeah. and Flim Flam. Right. Yeah. Do you work on those? Yeah, I drew those. Yeah. That's funny as um, Flim Flam's original voice actor was Susan Blue, who was, um, I, I worked with her as a voice director on, on uh, Transformers and, and Ben 10. Awesome. And why do you think that the style of uh, the character designs worked so well for, you know, like a darker show and like an overarching theme? I think that, um, I think we've had so many generations of, of uh, animators now that are, have grown up um, animating a sort of Bruce Timm style and they really get that kind of more angular style. And especially the the studios Warner Brothers has, uses, they've been using them, you know, for for a long time, and and uh, it seems to really translate well, I think, um, into into motion. And how do you think that uh, character designs contribute to, um, like, how the show looks in the final product? Well, it's the most important thing, isn't it? Definitely. um it's a i mean it's a big it's a big part of the show i mean obviously if you have great characters and nothing else you're not going to have a successful show but um it's it's like uh it's what it's like what they say about about food you know you eat with your eyes first so you you're kind of judging the book by its cover by by the character designs and then if that pulls you in then you know then you'll give the story a chance maybe and how do the character designers maybe work um, with the people who are designing the backgrounds? Oh, well, there's sort of a we'll design we'll design the characters, and then they'll design the backgrounds in uh, you know at, uh, simultaneously, and then uh, the the color stylists um, uh, Brian Smith and David Patton on. On Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated, they um, they were the color stylists. They they'll take the the characters and and color them, and then kind of plug them onto the background and see if it works. And then they'll they'll tint them to the background if they need. So um, and they did a lot of affected color, you know, in Mystery Inc. has a lot of a lot of special color. So so that's a very important very important job to to make sure that characters live in those backgrounds. And I wanted to talk about uh, the designs for the Hex Girls. Uh, mm-hmm. What was it like to update their designs as well? Torture. <laughs> <laughs> I went through so many versions of Hex Girls. Um, I think I think I only designed the... No, I didn't design any of them, actually. I, I took a pass at one of them, but they didn't end up using it, I don't think. So I don't even remember. It was, it was all hands on deck, that one that was designed by... Hex Girls designed by like 10 people, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and why was it such a process? Was it to um, like keep the integrity of the characters or? Yeah, I, th- I think um, Tony just had a real specific uh, vision in mind for what they should look like in, in Mystery Inc. And, uh, and we, were, we were getting close, but we just weren't quite getting, getting there. We, I mean, we got there in the end, but it took a while. Okay. Um, and also for Marcy slash hot dog water, uh, did mm-hmm. you work on that one? I did. I did. Yeah. And what was your uh, process for that? Well, the funny thing is, so originally I designed her 
and the body was exactly the same as hot dog water, but um, she had my friend Brianne Druhart's face <laughs> instead of instead of the current face. So that's what I turned in originally. And then they're like, oh no, Linda Cardellini is going to play this role. So she needs to kind of reflect that in some ways. So I, I made a kind of nerdy uh, character that Linda Cardellini, it looked like Linda Cardellini could, good voice. Okay. Uh, but she, so it was just like two versions for that. So it was pretty quick. Um, she was pretty fun oh and then uh they originally colored her in like lavender and pink and green and stuff and i'm like guys look at no that's like her coat is the bun and then mustard and ketchup (laughs) (laughs) hot dog hot and they're like oh (laughs) i didn't even i didn't even notice that yes yep yep (laughs) i was thinking it was like to play off of velma her coat her coat even like kind of looks like bread in, in a weird way like her, the the um, wool part of her coat it does oh my goodness <laughs> um and one thing that always amazes me is like the texture of the wool in that sweater how did that how did that work um i can't specifically remember what um i i, I think i just tried to make it look bready Right. And then added some like kind of textural notes to it. <laughs> awesome. Um, and what about the color palette for like the supporting characters? Does each person um, kind of have their own design that way? Yeah, most of um, most of uh, like I said, was done with by the color stylist. They they did that. But, but some of them were like the you know, you can tell like the all the Rogers family is sort of is a greenish color palette. And then the Blake's all have that Royal purple and uh, you know, so things follow, um, follow rules and have, have palettes. And uh, the others like kind of like case by case, you know, the, the individual characters that come in and out. And did you often have input in, like if you had a specific color palette in mind? Um. Sometimes, not not super often. I didn't. Um, I'm trying to think of what. I, oh, I know the um, one thing I had specifically mapped out color wise was the when Haycraft had um, he was writing the teen the teen novel, and he has, was trying to think like a teenager. So he had plastered his room with teenager posters, and they were all old Hanna Barbera shows, and so I had to kind of. Uh, do a color guide for that so like they could plug in the right colors because that was pretty complicated okay nobody nobody remembers those old characters except for me so (laughs) (laughs) and speaking of those older characters in um the the mystery solvers club state finals yeah uh, did you work on a lot of those as well everybody everybody loves that episode right but it is for me the most disappointing episode of mystery incorporated because i didn't work on a single one of those those mystery crews, they were all just reuses of their classic stock model sheets from the, from the Hanna-Barbera library, you know, and I wanted to redesign them. I wanted it not to be a dream at all. I wanted it to take place for real. And that's why they would unmask the funky phantom. Cause he was, he would turn out to be a regular person in the end. Uh, but they just like, they thought uh, there were two reasons. And one was we were, really far behind on schedule and it was a, another giant episode that they were super scared of and 
the other reason was that our executive producer didn't think that Jabberjaw belonged in the Mystery Incorporated world. He just thought it was too far, <laughs> far out. And I had like a, like an hour and a half intense discussion with him on why Jabberjaw should have been <laughs> there, but it, I lost. Oh no. <laughs> How about Dynamite then, since you came in on freelance for that one? Yeah, that was super fun. I, um, I love those classic characters. I kind of, I kind of wish we had done a Scooby Dumb or like a pup named Scooby-Doo flashback so we could adapt a few more of those kind of classic characters. But Dynamite was super fun. I didn't get to do any of his um, transformations, though. Those those looked awesome in that episode. Definitely. And what was it like to come back on freelance after uh, not working on the show for a while? <laughs> it's, it's always hard because, you know, you have a full-time, a, another full-time job and you want to do your best and and especially since I love that character, I want to put my best into it. And and uh, you're already worn out from putting all the hours into your normal job and you have to go to try to muster the energy to do that. But, you know, it's just one. It was just one character, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and and, and uh, I would have done it you know, no matter what because it's just too good of an opportunity to pass up. And uh, why did you leave Mystery Incorporated? Um, I, I got, um, offered, uh, uh, an art director job, a promotion on, uh, to head up Ben 10 Omniverse. And, um, I would be working with my, one of my best friends in animation, uh, Matt Youngberg, who I worked on Transformers with. And I just, like, I was really sad to leave Mystery Inc., but I, I just felt like I couldn't pass up that opportunity. Definitely. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Plus, uh, Ben 10 was going to have lots of cool toys, and Scooby never got any toys, and I really wanted toys. <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. I know. Uh, have you seen the, the new one, the Funko ones, where you can take the take the masks off the villains and, yeah. and, and they get revealed to be that? I, I totally wanted something like that for Mystery Incorporated. I thought that would have been really awesome. Oh, that would have been really cool. I have, actually, I have, uh, they did a, a man crab figure and a, a, a freak in the, those faux Lego figurines. And then there was a there was a set of figures that came out, but they were just not great. There was like a box set of figures. But you could tell it was Mystery Inc. because Velma had bows. <laughs> That's the only way. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and where did the idea come from to give Velma the, the bows and kind of update her look? Um, that was... Tony Cervoni's idea to do uh, to do the bows because we had just been um, the idea of of giving Velma lips had just been rejected flat out. <laughs> uh, they said no, thank you. And and then Tony was like, "What about what if we give her little bows?" And I was like, "That's a really cool idea." And they they went for that. It just seemed you know it, it seems like it just doesn't seem like it's outside of what Velma would wear to me. It seems like. Like, yeah, maybe she could wear little bows in her hair. I don't think she would mind doing that. Yeah, I could totally see it. Um, and I want to go back to the toys for a second. Sure, yeah. Uh, if you could have created a line of toys for Mystery Inc., what would you have done? Oh, oh I would have, like, like, a line of action figures. And like I said, I would have, like, all the, the uh, monsters have removable masks so you could unmask them. And I would love to see little, like, 
trap toys, little play sets with traps and stuff, and like a or like a haunted house play set. I don't know, just like all kinds of cool stuff like that. A mystery machine car would be really cool. That would be so much fun. They did a pretty good job with the with all the Lego stuff that came out. Yeah, the Lego sets are pretty cool. And what was your opinion on the show in general? What did you think about, um, you know, developing the re- relationships between the characters and things like that? Um, I thought it was cool. I especially, like you mentioned earlier, my favorite one of my favorite parts is just uh, adding all the secondary characters and the townspeople. You know, and and not only did the mystery and kids have relationships to to each other individually and as a group, but they had relationships with the town people townspeople too um and it's just uh just a lot of fun to to like you see hot dog water show up before she ever does anything really you know or or skipper shelton you know just um show up every once in a while and do something weird and then have seven brothers or something <laughs> yeah there's like six of them yeah. all with the same name <laughs> He was uh when we went, when I was designing him, uh Tony kept making me uh, make him bigger. He's like, no, no, bigger. He's like bigger. And I was like, how big do you want him? He's like, he's like, do him like Marv from Sin City. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> Can that exist in this world? But I guess it does. So <laughs> <laughs> And Mr. Incorporated was really the first show to have a lot of those reoccurring supporting characters. And really just an overarching storyline. What was it like to be able to work on that show? Um, I think that I'm so glad I worked on this version of Scooby. I think this was the one, um, this is the one of, out of all of them that, that I would have picked to work on if I had my choice. And I'm just super glad that it worked out that way. I think, um, oh man, it's just so much fun to, to, I love, uh, I love world building, you know, and, and, uh, Crystal Cove is its own little world. It's so full of, uh, every little, just every little thing is designed so cool, like down to the, the phones and the hair dryers and, you know, all the, all the cars on the road. Um, that's actually, I should, that's all, uh, Jerry Richardson was the prop, the prop designer. He did, did all like the, all that cool stuff. Um, the locket and just love all the little, little details and everything. Definitely. Uh, and if you were ever able to work on another Scooby show in the future, would you take it or? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd want to do another like series because I don't, I don't know how I could ever top the experience I had on Mr. Inc. I just don't think it could get better than that. Um, but if they, Wanted to do a Mystery Incorporated versus Teen Titans, I would be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> and uh, speaking of that, uh, you sent me the Teen Titans version as Mystery Incorporated. Where did yeah. that come from? That's uh, from, we did these little shorts for a, a short-lived uh, a Saturday morning series on Cartoon Network called DC Nation. And they were little shorts and they did a, a sort of sequel series to Teen Titans called the new Teen Titans. And uh, there was an episode where Mad Bod was kind of sending them back in time. And when they got to the seventies, that's what they looked like. (laughs) 
Um, and the fans, there's a lot of fans that I think Mystery Incorporated is either, you know, like maybe a love it or hate it show, but uh, there's a lot of fans that really want a third season. Would that ever oh. be possible at all? Like, like them starting over from scratch and stuff? Or like, would it be like, I don't know. Would, huh. Interesting. I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I've only thought about like what, what else you could do within the the confines of the like season one or season two. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, it would be interesting. And maybe they could do like a, a direct-to-video movie or a, even a graphic novel or something kind of show what, what happened. Definitely. And were there ever any characters that you designed that didn't actually make it into the show or did everyone uh, get <laughs> in there? Oh yeah, there was a... Oh, uh, there was a fake, a fake schmoo I designed for the mystery solvers in case they wanted to do the, the, well, I don't even remember what the team with the schmoo was. Uh, it seems like they were another, yet another bunch of teenagers with some boys and girls in them. Oh but, man, there were so many of them. And, it, but he looked like, he was like half schmoo and half gloop and gleep from the Herculoids. So he wasn't legally the schmoo <laughs> but they didn't end up using it fair enough <laughs> <laughs> um and why do you think that a cartoon uh about a mystery solving dog has held up for over 50 years now um i i just think that the like the character designs and the the character performances from the voice actors are so iconic you know they um they really resonated for some reason. And just the, that fact of having a, a group of, of tight knit friends like that. I think that's really, I think that's really what it's all about. You know, having that, um, you know, you can't pick your family, but you can pick your friends kind of thing. And, and uh, I don't know, something like that. And what was your favorite thing about being able to work on a Scooby-Doo project? Hmm. Um, I, I really liked uh, I liked designing Fred and re like drawing Fred in new new outfits and stuff. That was a lot of fun. He became my favorite character in this series. Oh, did you do the um in the the Humongonauts episode the the gang's uniforms? Yes, I did that. Yes, I loved those uniforms so much. <laughs> that's that's a whole a whole another reason they should have had action figures just to make those. <laughs> Definitely. I love those uniforms. <laughs> I think they're sort of they're sort of like uh part Macross and, and like part speed racer or something. I can't remember exactly what what I was looking at. It was it was something some eighties anime, I think. Definitely. Um, I think that covers all of the questions that I had written down for you. Is there anything else that you wanted to chat about at all? Hmm. Um I guess I can't think of anything offhand. Um, did you like? Did you like Mystery Incorporated? You said I it's do. A, I really like yeah. Mystery Incorporated. I I watched some, I watched some uh, YouTube reviews after you asked me to for the interview. Um, they just happened to pop up on YouTube, and I was like, oh, okay. So, I, and like I watched them down the line, and they were all positive. So I was like, oh, that's good, I guess. But I've I've never um, really interacted with the Scooby community at all. So this is kind of my first foray into it. Awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of people loved it, but then there was also 
uh, a bunch of people who are kind of upset about the the darker tone and bringing the relationships in and various different things like that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's enough Scooby to go around. So like everybody can have their favorites, you know, I like this one cause I worked on it and I, I think it turned out pretty good. So. Um, and just before we end here, do you have any recent projects that you'd like to promote at all? Um, I don't have anything currently that's, that's been announced yet. So I don't, I don't really have anything to talk about uh, as far as, current projects uh sorry <laughs> no no problem at some point there will be another cartoon <laughs> that comes out that i've worked on <laughs> and if people want to follow what you're up to uh where can they find you on social media channels um i have a twitter and instagram and they're both they're both just Derek j wyatt all one word perfect yeah i think that covers all of the questions that I had. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Derek. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This is this has been a lot of fun. And that concludes today's episode. Another huge thank you to Derek J. Wyatt for taking the time out to chat with me. For more groovy content, be sure to check at Unmasked SD on Twitter, at Unmasked SD Podcast on Instagram or at unmaskedsdpodcast.com. You can also find the podcast on Facebook under the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo podcast. If you like this episode and want to hear more, also make sure to check those social media channels or the website. Or you can listen to older episodes wherever you like to get your podcast fix. And if you want to follow Derek, you can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Derek J. Wyatt. Thanks for listening! And stay tuned for the next and last episode in this month's Mystery Incorporated theme, which features director and producer Victor Cook. Scooby-Dooby-Doo!